I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2021 Strip-Till Farmer podcast series supported by Environmental Tillage Systems. In today's program, we continue with part two of our conversation on the synchronized conservation-driven goals and outcomes of a developing strip-till system to enhance productivity. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And a reminder that by subscribing, you will be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Thanks again to Environmental Tillage Systems for their support of this podcast series. At Environmental Tillage Systems, our mission is to provide progressive farmers with an innovative production system that profitably rebuilds the land. Contact ETS to discuss how the Soil Warrior can improve ROI on your farm at www.soilwarrior.com. Well, when it comes to strip-till, a driving motivation for making the transition in 2014 for Mike Pribble was to balance effectiveness with efficiency. The Green Bay, Wisconsin farmer had long followed the seasonal patterns of conventional tillage practices. But a series of conversations with Brent Peterson, agronomist with Brown County Land and Water Conservation, led to a conversion, first to no-till and then to strip-till. This evolution led Mike to expand on custom operations in the area, starting out with planting and side dressing and expanding to strip-till and cover crop application. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast, part two, supported by Environmental Tillage Systems, we share more excerpts from our recent visit with Mike and Brent to discuss the scope of the farm's custom business and continuing opportunities to connect and expand conservation tillage opportunities. So right now we're doing about 1,000, 1,500 a year. Um, our goal is really to be running between spring and fall. We'd love to run, you know, 2,500, 3,000 through mm-hmm. this unit, really depending on the workload. As we move forward, um, I think that there's going to be a lot more push for that. I mean, we were with a producer the other day that uh, he signed up for um, his program between him and his, his son. They signed up to do anywhere from over the course of the year, just them two operators alone between 2,500 and 3,000 acres of strip till, strip till or no till. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of potential there um, and there's, there's a lot more potential out there to, to make this stuff really have a positive impact. And how long have you guys been custom stripped? So custom stripped on, we have one year underneath our belt. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, we started last spring, Brent and I, or we, we tried to start the previous fall and um, it was just too wet. We weren't, mm-hmm. uh, we weren't, we weren't uh, confident that we were going to be able to do a good job. So we just said, you know what? Let's keep the strip till. Let's keep, keep that soil warrior um, in the shed. Brent and I ran that quite a bit in spring. We had well, I didn't run as hard as you guys. <laughs> well, well, Brent definitely. I mean, he was the driving force behind making it happen. And then, um, so we we tried it in spring. We we're really happy with the results. And then um, come fall, we said we got to get our feet wet on the coming uh, doing something in fall. And we said, okay. So we did about five hundred acres, four five hundred acres this past fall, and. The, the strips were beautiful. I mean, yeah. Brent and I were jokingly saying, Brent comes to me because we sell seed, obviously. Mm-hmm. He says, Mike, I think you got to get get that corn planter out and fill it up with some seed. And the seed company's got to develop some winter corn so we can plant it. And then uh, it comes up in spring. Well, we had one this past fall. It's just like, boy, I wish we could plant yeah, this I mean, thing right now. It was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, we were... We're, we're just like let's let's make this happen and but yeah so we're really excited for coming you know spring of 2021 here saying okay not only to go back into those strips that we made last fall but to really make some new strips and um you know really get some 
really cool stuff going. Mm -hmm. So when it sounds like you mentioned, you know, kind of six, seven years ago, 2014, I think mm -hmm. you said, um, you guys started to make that transition mm -hmm. kind of into conservation tillage and sounded like kind of mm -hmm. starting out with no till. Was that yep. kind of where you guys, uh, you know, were at as far as kind of the custom or what mm -hmm. you guys were experimenting with, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of the, the side dress yep. and, um, for, for customers, mm -hmm. um, before then, you know, kind of getting into the strip and saying mm -hmm. like, hey, this is, you know, a good yep. option, you know, yep. that we can kind of, you know, maybe segue, you know, doesn't have, doesn't yeah. have to be that extreme nope. from conventional mm -hmm. to all no-till. So the interesting thing, um, back at that time, we weren't doing any planting. Mm -hmm. Our custom work was solely, our, our business focus at that time was a big portion side dress, seed sales, um, fall cover crop seeding we were into a little bit, but mostly winter wheat. And um, we had a, a really good customer of ours approach us. He had a different op custom operator doing his planting at the time. And he said, uh, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about buying a six row no-till corn planter. And you guys got some equipment, some tractors. Would you be interested in, in hooking up that one of those tractors to that planter and doing that? My dad and I looked at him and said, no. <laughs> we said, how about this? We said, uh, you know, we've been kicking around the idea of buying a corn planter for quite some time now. Um, how about this? How about we work together? You know, you're considering putting in some money to buy a planter. Um, we're considering doing the same. How about we buy a planter together? Um, so we did that. We bought a 12 row um, John Deere 1770 NT you know, planter. And uh, we started on that journey with him because Again, we're very green on this. We've planted, obviously we've planted crops in the past, but we wanted to make sure that we were set up. I mean, again, we're looking at the sand. 600 acres, 700 acres of year and, and a six row planter in a no-till condition, that's kind of not what we're, <laughs> we don't know what we're getting ourselves into. And to give, oh, yeah. give these guys a lot of credit here because the first field that they pulled into it was, you know, we had grass out here and I can remember yeah. Doug looking at me and <laughs> saying, is this gonna freaking work? Yeah. You know? Um, you know? So, and, so, uh, so we went and I, you know, at the time I didn't, I didn't even truly know. Mm -hmm. We hadn't done a lot of it, hadn't seen a lot of it. We were, we were, we were, and I said, yeah, right. We were, we were green as green, you know, green as the paint on that tractor. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, this customer comes to us and he asks us these questions. We said, let's work together on this. So we, we purchased a, a 12 row corn planter and um, we started on that no-till journey together. Because again, nobody was doing this stuff around here at all. Mm -hmm. So. You know, Brent and this customer, his name's Dan, they took a ride out to um, Pennsylvania to learn from these guys. About, about and then these actually one of your no-till conferences, the very first one I ever attended in Cincinnati, Steve Groff was there at the mm -hmm. time. And uh, that I brought my father along there too to try and convince him maybe this is the way to, to start thinking mm -hmm. kind of thing. And uh, and the light bulb finally went off, you know, this is, we should be doing more mm -hmm. of this. Is, it's no brainer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kind of thing. So, so on our farm, that's how we kind of started that journey, and it worked out. We've had a lot of good. We, I mean, so from that year to the next, um, by this customer Dan, Dan's crops. He was all conventional tillage for the most part before. He had some cover crops, but he was always incorporating them. He said, "You know, I'm I'm paying everybody to do all my work. Mm -hmm. Why don't I try to eliminate some passes if I can, and um, and you know, still achieve the same at minimum, achieve the same results? Well, once you know it, on on Dan's operation from year one of all conventional tillage to year one of all um, no-till cover crops, his yields, not only did they stay the same, they improved. And um, his quality of his feed that he put up was significantly better. And we looked at this saying, okay, maybe we are green on this, but we, we were able to make this work. So there's some merit behind this stuff actually works, right? So now how do we 
take that and we, we spread that out throughout the countryside a little bit more. And um, it's been working out really well because really the only thing that changed from year one, I shouldn't say the only thing, but big thing that changed from year one to year two in that situation was we went from conventional tillage to no-till and cover crops. I mean, his fertility program essentially stayed the same. His seed inputs were pretty much the same. Um, but we changed some practices and don't get me wrong, we had different operators doing the, the work. So that could definitely make an impact too. maybe a little bit more attention to detail. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is this stuff worked. And now we have to see this, you know, kind of come out and you know, let's make this widespread a little bit more. And um, yeah, it worked out really well. So that's kind of our journey. We you know, started doing the planting about six years ago. And it's really just our limited manpower that we have. We have to look at things and say, how do we get the most productivity um, out of every man hour that we're doing something. So for us to be sitting in a, a tractor in spring doing field cultivating, that's a waste of time and hours on our equipment. Mm -hmm. We don't have the time for that. Mm -hmm. um, so we said, again, we look at things, a lot of people look at things in terms of efficiency. We look at term, things in terms of effectiveness. Mm -hmm. This strip till system um, is enabling us to be significantly more effective out in the field. Um, yeah, we might still t might have to plant a little bit slower. We have a new planter that can go 10 miles an hour to plant, but um, overall we're significantly reducing our man hours by implementing the strip till system. And the fuel savings are, you know, phenomenal. And plus, I don't think we've, we've even seen the, the time savings no. that it's gonna be for the producers down the road. Yeah. When all of a sudden the, the weather's good and the strips are ready to go and all we gotta do is plant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we ain't got to go out there and work it twice and then then it rains an inch mm -hmm. and you're waiting twice, a couple days pick the stones, yeah. pick the stones all of that you know looking back and then it just it gets to be a lot of wasted time a lot of work yeah. a lot of, lot of work for yeah. Yeah. so i can't uh, i can't overstate the significance of the time savings and, and the family time from from my perspective you know um, so I'm fortunate enough to have a, a customer of ours that has a younger, um, younger shop foreman. He's very similar to my age. He's got two kids too. And um, I had a conversation. His name is Josh. I said to Josh, you know, wouldn't it be nice? He does a lot of planting, a lot of harvesting for this, this, um, this producer. I said, Josh, I'm looking at how do we make it so that your and my life is better in this case, right? So think of your typical day, Josh. You get to the shop at eight, seven o'clock in the morning, and yeah, guys might be leaving the shop to go do some some conventional tillage, get some ground ready for you. You're probably not planting until at the earliest 10, 1030. So you got three hours of, you know, working around the shop. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be nice, Josh, if, yeah, you might still have some conventional tillage, but wouldn't it be nice if we could you could go out and you could start planting in the morning some of the strip-tilled stuff. And then, yeah, if you got the conventional tillage, it's ready for you, but your day is a little bit more predictable. You can start your day at seven and get done by seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, instead of starting your day essentially at 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock and not getting done until midnight. Mm -hmm. You know, this way you get a little bit of family time, you know, um, so conversations my wife and I have had is, um, my wife says, I want you home to help put the kids to bed, mm -hmm. which is huge. I mean, I, at, at the bare minimum, we gotta be doing that. And um, so it's really, how do we not only make the benefits for the, um, the operation from a financial standpoint and the conservation benefits, this is also about people too. Right. How do we bring these, um, these, these people together? Again, I can't understate, I can't overstate how important that is to um, have a sense of normalcy, even during the crazy times. So for when you guys are doing the, the custom uh, planting, are you guys <laughs> primarily just planting into, uh, no-tilled or strip-tilled fields? Are you guys doing any 
any type of tillage system? The only time we do a tillage system is when it is, in our mind, absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. um, that would be after those really tough falls that have been rutted up. Mm -hmm. um, so we had a couple instances last year where we had to, we did have to pull up the field cultivator, we did have to pull up the disc and get things leveled off. Um, but primarily we want to be doing as much no-till and strip-till as possible. Mm -hmm. um, that's our, our real goal. <clears throat> um, I would say this past year of the stuff that we planted, I would say probably 85 to 90% was no-till or strip-till. Um, we had a couple fields here and there that we had to touch up, but um, we're, we're really carrying the flag to our producers saying, we want to do as little of that touch up as possible. Let's get this structure in place and um, let's you know let that carry us for a period of time. Well, that was just going to lead me to the question <laughs> of uh, if you guys had to make many uh, modifications or adjustments on, on your planter row units. Mm -hmm to accommodate the difference. But I'm guessing if it's no clone strictly, you guys are probably pretty much running the same setup. Very similar. I mean, so we did make the investment in uh, a new planter again last year. Um, that that's this one here. Yep, our, we got a John Deere 1775 NT. It's an exact merge, so you know, the one that's supposed to be able to go high speed. It's got, um, it's got the hydraulic downforce. It's got the uh, pneumatic roll cleaners, pneumatic closing wheels. I mean, it's got, it's set up to be able to do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, so that if we do have to make those adjustments, we can make them pretty quickly from the cab. Mm -hmm. um, it's fully variable rate. So we got variable rate on the seed, variable rate on the both fertilizers in furrow and uh, starter. Um, so from an adjustment standpoint, we really looked at how do we spend more time in cut um, in the ground versus um, making changes. Mm -hmm. um, that's where that, that pneumatic system is really nice. The hydraulic systems are really nice. Um, so we should back up a little bit too, um, as part of the story. <clears throat> My dad has been in manufacturing for forever. You know, that's really kind of his, his he, was, he grew up on a family farm, um, moved into manufacturing because he was graduated in the 80s when farming wasn't all that great and um, got into manufacturing. So we are really trying to farm by the, at minimum square foot versus the acre, but we really wanna be farming by the square inch if we can. And that's where being in cut, uh, we describe that because being in cut in the manufacturing world is ultra critical. Mm -hmm. um, we wanna be in cut and doing the best job we can when we're doing that without making all these adjustments as we go. Mm -hmm. So is this, uh, this planter, is this something that you also uh, bought in conjunction with the other farmer, or is this something you guys nope. just bought? Nope, so I, as we go back to the other farmer situation, so that first year, we bought that planter to start out mm -hmm. together. It was mm -hmm. a, you know, a, a deal on halves, if you will. We were doing all the maintenance and everything on it anyway, so we said, let's just buy it, you know. We'll, sure. we'll own the sure. whole thing. Um, so we we only had we only had a partnership with that planter for probably three months, maybe. No, we had a partnership in theory. In theory, yeah. Not yeah. in dollars. Not in dollars, so. <laughs> okay. At the end of the day, it started off, it launched that way with gotcha. intentions. Yep. We knew that ultimately it was a it was a way that we didn't have to go to the bank and finance as much and stuff like sure. that, right? Well, that, we knew we had a commitment. Yeah, we you get, a get that buy-in. Mm -hmm. yep. you know, they're, they're financially yeah. tied to it a little bit, so yeah. it's your, so. But yeah, we we purchased we we bought that partner out on that. We still do all of his work and stuff, which mm -hmm. is great. But we said, you know, to keep this clean, let's um, let's do this you know, separately. So we traded in our previous planter on this one. That you know, again, we we own the other one. We own this one, and um, yeah. So it's because it got. Originally, we were only really planning on planting for the one customer. Mm -hmm. Well, as word gets out, now all of a sudden it gets to be a little bit more complicated. Yeah, so, yeah, 
Yeah. He's been carrying the flag for us as much as anybody. We'll get back to the discussion shortly, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, Environmental Tillage Systems, for making this podcast possible and share some additional insight from Brent Peterson and Mike Pribble on the return of beneficial bugs to the farm with the adoption of strip-till. We don't have those insects uh, in the forms and, and the beneficials that we necessarily need here in these conventional systems. So with the strip tillage, you know, we, we leave a lot of that ground intact and there's a lot of insects in that ground that if you just leave it alone, they're probably going to be there. So earlier we discussed the, the number of beneficial bugs, the number of insects, just the, the populations out there, the, the biology, how do we get that cooking? How do we let Mother Nature work for us? So. In the conventional till system, I think Brent saw, you know, when we were working with UW Green Bay on some of these counts, we're seeing, you know, four, five, six, seven species out in the field of conventional tilled ground. On these strip till conservation minded acres um, with the cover crops, and leaving that ground intact, leaving that stuff undisturbed, as little disturbed as we can, we're seeing, you know, 30, 40. We're seeing the beneficial bugs come back. Um, so over time, we've lost those beneficials and we've lost the bad ones but we want the beneficials to come back and really help us out with these situations. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Mike and Brent on the cost versus return breakdown of a custom strip-till business. So on our stuff, we tell guys straight out, we are not the cheapest. Mm -hmm. We are not the cheapest, but we are gonna strive to be the best for you. Um, On the planting, it really depends on the situation. We're anywhere from I think this past year when we were looking through bills, we were anywhere from $25 to $35 an acre on planting. Um, really depends on the scope of that, that job. Um, strip tilling, very similar. You know, um, we, we made a lot of phone calls before we decided to purchase this thing, talked with a lot of the connections that Dave, um, Dave Sender from ETS connected us with and asking them, you know, you guys are doing it for custom, what are you guys charging? Mm-hmm. A lot of that custom work was happening down in Nebraska mm-hmm. where they're not dealing in acres, they're dealing in sections or quarter mm-hmm. sections. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had a lot of good conversation on that. On the, on the custom side for the strip till, we're anywhere, we're gonna be anywhere from 35 to $50 an acre, depending on the situation, you know? Um, it's, it's a big number when you, you, people get that sticker shock saying, oh boy, 50 bucks an acre, that's a lot. I might as well just work the ground up. And I said, again, go back to what we talked about earlier. We're combining four passes into one. So even if you already have this field cultivator and the, um, the chisel plow, and you just have to pay somebody to do the spreading, I get it, spreading's you know, six to eight bucks an acre or whatever. But if you're paying somebody to do the chisel plowing, if you're paying somebody to do the field cultivating, when we look at cost of field prep in a conventional till system, just off of custom rate surveys um, in, in the state of Wisconsin and throughout the Midwest, you're talking <clears throat> anywhere from 65 to 80 bucks an acre, mm-hmm. depending on all the passes, and we're taking that down into one. Mm-hmm. So that's how we kind of get in, you know, I get it, it's sticker shock, mm-hmm. but let's back off and let's say, what are we really getting for this? Um, and it's, it's huge. Replacing. Yeah, what's this replacing and what's my situation? And, you know? and this, this time thing, you can't put a value on that. Mm-hmm. You know, all this additional manpower, you need to stay ahead of that planter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty significant here. And a lot of this work can be done a month in advance here in a lot of cases when things are a little freed up here yet, I would argue, so. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely gonna be, you know, unique to the situation. We definitely like doing package deals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if we can do a, a strip, t- we can have the whole package where we're doing the strip till, plus we're doing the planting, um, then yeah, obviously it's gonna be a little bit 
more feasible mm -hmm. for, for the guys to do it. And I think a lot of people like that. Now we don't have to worry about it. You know, they're going to take care of it all. Right. Um, and, you know, it really, again, it really depends on some cases <clears throat> we offer. I mean, in some cases, all cases, if we're putting the, our, if we're supplying the seed through our planter, you're getting a discount mm -hmm. because again, you're supporting our entire, we're trying to support your entire business. Mm -hmm. We want you to try to support our entire business the best we can. Um, so that it's really, um, that, that package is huge, you know, supplying the fertilizer, all that kind of stuff. Um, is, that's, is yeah, that, that's interesting. Just, I mean, from a, uh, kind of a related mm -hmm. perspective and that, uh, I, I know custom strip tilling, mm -hmm. you know, is something that seems to be, you know, gaining some momentum, but, um, I think just from a, a bigger sense, um, there seems to be more of an appetite for kind of some of those, uh, field operations to be done as mm -hmm. a, as a service, yep. you know, and, and hiring those out to have somebody else mm -hmm. come in and do them who yep. has experience yep. knowing, you know, kind of how to adapt yep. the field, what the expectations are going to be, the results and combining mm -hmm. those. Yep. I mean, cause it makes, it makes a lot of sense yeah. to say, we'll come out and strip till your fields in spring yep. and then we'll come back and plant them because mm -hmm. we know exactly what we're going to be planting into yep. and you know, how to adjust. It, it all sure matches gonna, up. Right. So I mean, that's a, that's probably a pretty yeah. compelling I mean, uh, sales pitch. I mean, it's gotta be, we gotta just again, look at what's the, what's the best holistic um, approach on this. So there's an old saying when I was going to school. Um, so I, to give you a little bit more background on myself, um, I went to, I got a, my undergrad, I have a finance degree and a, a minor in accounting. Mm -hmm. I don't have a background in agronomy, I don't have an agronomy degree. Mm -hmm. um, so again, we're looking at ROI and we're looking at, you know, being as effective as we can with every pass. And when I was going to school, one of my professors, um, he had a saying, and it's, it's truer words were never spoken. He said, uh, you know, a jack of all trades is a master of none. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're trying to be is that master of some specific trades. I mean, specialization is is occurring all around us, and um, we have to be um, cognizant of that. That you know, we can't be a jack of all trades. We have to be a master of our domain, um, and that's to a lot of the dairy farmers in our, our area. Their credit, they are masters of the dairy industry. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they need a little help on the um, on the um, cropping side and that's hopefully where we can fit in there and say yeah well, let's take this headache off you and let's say that you know even if it's not all the headache let's take a portion of it and make it as good as we can mm -hmm. so okay good so um from you know when you guys started six seven years bless you mm -hmm. six seven years ago um you know, you mentioned you guys were, uh, this is brand new. Yep. You know, there really wasn't anybody, you know, else kind of, kind of diving into this. Um, what have you seen in that time period, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of getting more of the area to kind of buy into that or pay attention mm -hmm. or, um, you know, see the, the benefits, mm -hmm. um, maybe not specifically strip to, mm -hmm. but just just overall, I mean, you reference you know cover crops, yep. and I know that's something that you know obviously is a huge uh, you know buzzword to a certain extent, mm -hmm. but also you know there's some real benefits there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I, Brent can definitely speak more to this. Um, one thing that sticks out in my mind that hopefully he can touch on a little bit more is uh, you know, Nick at Brent's office from Brown County. He does some of these aerial shots where they look at coverage maps mm -hmm. over you know covered ground. We talked a little bit about this earlier, but. Um, I don't know if you know the specifics on that, um, but there was a yeah, I can't huge necessarily benefits. give you specifics here. But we we did a shot, and I want to say it was in the 
2019, I think it was. And the demonstration project had already kind of taken foothold here down in the southern part of Brown County and parts of Outagamie County. But the one thing that we noticed from that, from that, uh, those shots is this pocket up here was showing up red and orange, which is, which is bad. Mm -hmm. So that means we had no cover up in this neck of the woods. And down south, it was more of that orangey yellow type colors down there. So that was telling us that our, our coverage was not very good up in this neck of the woods. So <clears throat> I can tell you there's been a significant change here now already here in, in the 2020 shots. And that's, um, you know, a lot of that is because of the covers and the mm -hmm. minimum tillage that's being done. And it's already showing up here within this two year span yeah. here already. We're, we're seeing results here already. I, I would definitely so, say, so again, I don't know the, the specifics on it, but I can speak from our small business, <clears throat> excuse me. When we look at um, the work that we do in fall, um, versus the work that we pre used to do in fall. Um, vast majority of our fall work now is cover crop related. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so on a typical year, we'll seed down in fall. A lot of it before was winter wheat, um, anywhere from 800 to 1,000 acres of, generally it was wheat. Um, these past couple of years though, um, it's anywhere from, you know, 800 to 1,000 to 1,500 to even 2,000 acres of a mix of wheat and covers. So, I mean, we're getting, um, <clears throat> twice as much work potentially, but also twice as much coverage. And um, that's just on, on our small basis. Some of the producers that we do, I mean, we had one producer that we work with. Previously, he was doing no covers, um, some winter wheat. Um, this past year, he had over 1,500 acres of cover crops planted. And that's, um, you know, that's for him, that's a, a huge increase. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, you compound that 1,500, 1,600 acres of um, covers plus his 3,000 acres of alfalfa. Um, now you're talking about significant coverage across his entire farm, and we're looking to expand that even more. Mm -hmm. Sorry, are you guys doing, uh, is this custom as well? Yep. Okay. Yep. Everything that we do is custom. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. You know, it's kind of interesting. I know I'm, I'm not mic'd up, mm -hmm. but it's kind of interesting because you, you ask the question, you know, what do you see in, mm -hmm. in the local area? There does need to be like that that tip of the spear that that company that's mm -hmm. going to represent some of these these forward progress um, programs and whatnot. It's interesting that we've had quite a few local farmers mm -hmm. come here yep. and want to check out our equipment mm -hmm. because they're looking to maybe learn something, learn something, or adapt their equipment, mm -hmm. their existing equipment to be able to do some of this, and um, so. That's kind of interesting when, you know, a small grower basically has a six row planter and they're saying, hey, you know, what can I do mm -hmm. to put heavy downforce mm -hmm. springs on this thing or maybe a no-till yep. holder? How can I adapt my equipment mm -hmm. to be able to do some mm -hmm. of this stuff? And we've had quite a bit of yep. that happen over the years where they've yep. just been curious and that yep. curiosity eventually leads to action yeah. and leads to results. That's a snowballing effect. I mean, yeah, the, a lot of conversations start of, I saw you guys doing this over here and that looked like it turned out pretty good. Um, so if I wanted to do something, what's the first, if you were, Mike, if you were me or Doug or Brent, if you, if I were, if you were me and you, you know my situation a little bit with my equipment, what would be the first thing that you would do to make a difference, mm -hmm. you know? So that conversation um, happens quite regularly. Um, it helps that we have those connections with the seed company that um, we're out there calling on these customers anyways to talk about seed. Um, and then they wanna pick our brain a little bit on some other stuff. And mm -hmm. you know, we have we have no problem sharing free advice so long as you're, you're doing something with us. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of times that conversation starts with the back end of the planter. Mm -hmm. Let's focus on your closing wheels. 
or it's either starts in one or two areas, and I know this is, sounds you know, pretty like a no-brainer, but it's either starting in the back of the planter or the front of the planter. You know, so you're either talking with row, uh, row cleaners or you're talking closing wheels. Mm -hmm. And um, we've had excellent success on the dong curve tines um, on our operation here. And that's generally speaking, that's our recommendation from the closing wheel system. They work really good in that, um, that no-till system. They work really good in that strip till system and they work really good in that conventional till system. Um, so it kind of gives you that best of both worlds or best of all three worlds right now um, to make it so you don't have to do as much of that adjustment in the field when you're going out there, so. Great. Yeah, one thing I wanted to, mm -hmm. wanted to add here to it is, is um, you know, the with, the with the covers here, you know, Mike and I, I just think about this uh, last week we went and visited a bunch of producers and mm -hmm. it's, just kind of amazing how much more open these these producers are to, to thinking or mm -hmm. thinking down these paths than they were in the in the past. When we first started doing this, uh, <clears throat> I, I can remember the first demo, one of the first demo farms that I went and started talking to about this. He says, "Well, you're you're full of shit. This is never going to work." Mm -hmm. He literally told right. me that, mm -hmm. and I was there yep. at the time. And uh, and he's one of our biggest proponents, you know, mm -hmm. moving forward with a lot of this stuff mm -hmm. here. So it's it's amazing how. You can change somebody's mind. Yeah, yeah I mean, we've, we've had those similar, I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, um, I was the first, so when, when Dan, our customer that we did the planting um, situation with, I looked him right in the eye in that, that fall, and I said, you know, we gotta work that soil, we gotta, we gotta work that soil. He came to me a couple months later, I give him a lot of credit for not saying, well, Mike, he's a lost cause. He came to me in spring and said, hey, I'm looking at doing this. Are you willing to, to work on this? And um, so yeah, I'll, I'll be the first one to say, I was the first person to tell you, um, you gotta work that ground and you got in order to get a good stand establishment and, and get all that stuff going. Mm -hmm. And I'll be the first one to eat crow on it too, because we don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a lot of really knowledgeable people out there and, um, a lot of people that have seen that we can do these things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, excellent resources at you know ETS with uh, you know Dave's Dave Sanders been a very um, important piece of that puzzle on teaching us how to make the strip till system work. What what are our limitations? You know I know a couple guys. One in particular, David. Then I, I listen to the podcast yeah. on yeah. him. Yep. Dave is the type that's going to say, "I want to find out what the top threshold is." Right? Yep. He wants to know. I don't. I, I want to kill some stuff. I want to put some. I want to kill some corn because I put too much out there. This way, I know yep. what I can do. And um, that's where Dave has been a very instrumental part in us understanding that. What can we do? What should we not do? Um, and really kind of point us down the. The, the road for success, it's been, been really, really good. Great. It's, it's really interesting to talk about that, that change in, in understanding and, and believing in something that's been working. We grew up in the 80s, right? I mean, working everything up. Products yeah. of the late 60s, 70s, and 80s, right? Mm -hmm. So my time in the fall as a kid growing up was on an open station tractor pulling a four bottom plow and all fall, we just mow more plowed everything. And then in the spring we went up there, went out there, and of course we, we worked it and, and leveled all the fields, picked all the rocks. So I grew up in a time where these fields literally had to be nuked every spring. Mm -hmm. And once they were nuked, then that's where you started to grow your crop. So mm -hmm. this was really a, a well, grandpa, grandpa did it that way, dad did it that way. <laughs> we should be doing it that way. It we were, we were it, that it's way. not broke, don't fix it, right? Mm -hmm. We're still here and... Yeah. But, I also remember the seagulls 
mm-hmm. all over yeah mm-hmm. we were in the fall doing that mm-hmm. more plow. and today yeah, you don't see that, that. Yep. So I mean, something is different you, you see know, that's herbicides and maybe chemical application mm-hmm. programs or whatever but we're going to get that biology mm-hmm. to do what yep. mother earth will help us you know she'll uh she'll do she'll do a better job than us than we can any any day of the week right so how do She's we got a lot more experience, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, more experience. how do we right. work with her instead of working against her you know because um, there's the old saying and it's the true nature always wins so how do we work with nature to make this work Well, thank you to Mike and Brent for sharing your experience and benefits transitioning into strip-till. And again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Environmental Tillage Systems, for helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. You can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free strip-till strategies daily e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our Strip-Till Farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2021 podcast series. For Mike Pribble, Brent Peterson, Environmental Tillage Systems, and our entire staff here at Strip Till Farmer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening.